This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. In a world that doesn't pause, catching up isn't enough. The Financial Times keeps you one step ahead in your life and career. With breaking news, detailed analysis and a deep understanding of the global economy. Don't just keep pace, set the pace. Fearlessly Pink. The Financial Times. Read more at ft.com slash fearless. Leute, habt ihr Bock darauf, eure Versicherung in den Griff zu kriegen und dafür 30 Euro Shopping-Gutschein abzustauben? Hier ist übrigens Tara vom Podcast Tara sagt was und ich sage euch, ladet euch die Clark-App runter und nutzt bei der Anmeldung mein Code Tara sagt Clark. Alles groß und zusammengeschrieben. Da kriegt ihr nicht nur eure Verträge gecheckt, sondern ihr könnt euch auch kostenlos und unabhängig von den Expertinnen beraten lassen. Also probiert Clark aus und holt euch den 30-Euro-Shopping-Gutschein für Ikea, Amazon und Co. mit dem Code TARASAG-CLARK. BBC Sounds. Music, Radio, Podcasts. Hello. As the cold weather bites, energy bills are biting harder too. So that's what we're talking about on this week's Moneybox Live podcast. We've been hearing from those who are skipping meals. We're definitely cutting down, going without breakfast, without a doubt. While others in full-time employment are turning to warm banks and food hubs. I'm working, but I'm struggling and it's like a little mortgage, isn't it? And some people are disconnecting completely. Tariffs are going up and everybody's struggling and we've had a cold snap. So it's, it's not a double, it's a triple whammy, really. The energy price cap, which is what most of us pay, jumped 5% at the start of the year. And now charities are calling for more support. Citizens Advice says 2 million people on prepayment meters could go without heating and energy this winter because they can't afford to top up. The spring weather, when it comes, will ease the strain, but partly because the price is also set to fall. So today we're asking, how are you doing this winter compared to the last one? Before we meet our experts, let's take a question. Lynn has been in touch with one that lots of people might have. She's just come off her fixed price tariff. She's now on a variable Economy 7 tariff, which offers different rates at peak and off-peak times. My question is, what is an energy cap? Because it's a very vague official figure living in an average house. Because my energy costs have soared. And I live in a a country property. Um, Really, I'm leaking (laughs) energy out of the walls. I can't do much about it. It's old. It's detached. It's quite small. Um, But I'm heated by electricity, storage heaters. I have no gas. And I've checked with the other competitors. And they all have the same similar rates. This increase, it actually works out with my day and night rate to an increase of 235% from last January. And I had to recheck it. I thought, no, surely that's not the case. And I'm watching my smart meter with horror. And all my heating, um, my water heating and my storage heating is charged at night. So Most of my bill is at the lower night rate. 
235%. Well, to answer Lynn's questions and yours, I'm joined today by two very energetic experts. With me are Peter Smith, Director of Policy at the charity National Energy Action, and Daniel Portis, who's the Deputy Director of Policy at Energy UK, which is the body that speaks for the energy companies. Good afternoon, both of you. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. Um, Daniel, so the cap at the moment, £1,928 for typical use. What does that actually mean? Right, so, I mean, it's an, it's an understandable question. Mm. Um, it's, it's complicated. Um, but the price cap is essentially a mechanism that is run by Ofgem, the energy regulator, and its objective is to make sure that customers pay a fair price for the energy they use. And what what that means is that it's a price that's limited based on the cost that suppliers incur delivering energy to customers. Now, the problem is that over the last couple of years, we've seen huge rises in the costs that suppliers are paying on international markets for the energy that they then pass on to households. Mm. And that's why we've seen the rises that, that Lynn's talking about in the, in the call. Um, we are seeing those prices come down, but there is another factor that's playing out this winter, which is the government support that was there last winter and really helped uh, reduce the, the sort of scale of that increase. Yes. Um, is now no longer there, or at least it's not there at the same uh, rates and for the same number of households. And so we are seeing a situation where actually customers are facing prices and bills that are probably the same, in some instances, higher this winter than last. And that is clearly a really challenging situation. OK, Peter, uh, Daniel's making the important point that last winter prices might have been higher than they are now, but households got that help, £400 uh, in government help for, for most households. So are we better off this winter because prices have come down or are we worse off because the help has stopped? Well, prices are down, but bills are still largely the same. And sadly, none of us are average customers, uh, and particularly Lynn, in her instance, she's on Economy 7, which is priced way higher than that average price gap figure that you that you mentioned. Mm. Uh, all electric heat Heating um, is much more expensive, uh, despite our pushes uh, as a nation to try and make it a more attractive prospect for households to move onto electric heating. Um, the things that I would suggest to Lynn in terms of uh, trying to deal with that are looking at reducing her demand for space heating, if she can take advantage of uh, energy efficiency programme that could install insulation, even in a couple of rooms, that might might, might help. There's programmes like the Home Upgrade Grant that might be able to, to support her. But just dealing with the size of the, the scale of this issue, we know that millions of households, 6.5 million UK households this winter aren't able to adequately heat, heat and power their homes. Okay. And that lack of government support is really biting people. Well, the Department for Energy Security and Net Zero told us that it recognises the challenges families are facing and said it's spending an average of £3,700 per household to support families. Although when you look at the numbers, it has included a cut to alcohol duty in that figure. Uh, Daniel, when we look at energy bills... We always get messages asking why they're so high if energy firms are simply profiteering from their customers' pain. Yeah, so look, I think that's a it's an understandable question, especially when you see prices rising as they have done. I mean, the fact is that energy suppliers actually don't make particularly high profits, if any profits at all. The price cap that Ofgem set aims for a roughly theoretical 2% margin, Mm. which is a lot less than many other industries. Um, But actually, if you look at the last few years, 
the sector has been on average loss making and and with when you sort of factor in also the fact that there's a huge amount of debt in the sector the sector's actually yeah. under quite considerable strain so so it's not actually the case Okay, well, let's talk about the strain that other people are feeling, because for for a lot of people, the high energy bills are a painful squeeze. For two million others, they're quite simply a crisis. New analysis from Citizens Advice has found that many people will disconnect from their gas and electricity this winter because they simply can't afford to top up their prepayment meter. Moneybox Live producer Sarah Rogers has been to a warm hub in Sale West Community Centre in Manchester. Right, with loads and loads of these carrots. So let's do six potatoes. It's approaching lunchtime at the community centre in Sale. Volunteers are packing bags full of fruit and veg in a large hall. People will come and collect those shortly. They pay a small fee. But right now they're waiting in the room next door, which is also a warm space, so people can come in from the cold and get a hot drink. Here I meet Julie. I'm enjoying some hot soup. This is um, the first food... I say um, that I've had today. My husband's working full time. I'm um, a retired um, nurse. The energy bills are so high that you know you've not got money for other things like um, food. We're definitely cutting down, going without breakfast, without a doubt. We're just having to make do. The oven um, that is not working at the moment can't afford to get the oven repaired so we're just managing to cook on the hob vegetables first they're the heaviest hi i'm mark i'm the chief executive of the bread and butter thing and we run a network of food clubs what you'll find is a room next door where people can come along have a brew and have a warm space tariffs are going up and everybody's struggling and we've had a cold snap so it's it's not a double it's a triple whammy really and it's just essential that people can have such spaces to come along and not think about paying for that bill i know for an hour in the morning when i get up and then i'm putting it back over a brew i ask people how they're getting on at the moment like winter fuel payment that's really helped i am definitely yeah. struggling i'm looking adele is on a prepayment meter it's good to get out and while we're out as well we're saving electric saving on the gas because my partner's disabled we don't get cut off with the gas and electric when we run out of emergency so they end up saying we can loan you 10 pound loan you 20 pound and that just gets put on the meter debt so you're in quite a bit of energy debt, aren't you? About 150 on the gas and electric. And how are you managing at home in terms of sort of cutting back, having your heating on, that sort of stuff? We don't have it on in the day when the little one's at school. And how old are your children? Uh, my youngest is six and then the elder, the others are teenagers. So the heating's on when the six-year-old's home? That's and, the one, yeah. And everybody else puts a jumper on? That's the one. Please, could I get a cup of tea? Why have you come here today? Um, well, it just helps out. I'm working, um, but um, wait, I'm, st- I'm, I'm struggling, you know. Just, I mean, I'm managing to just about pay everything, but I'm working, you know. My husband's working. It's about two seventy a month for the gas, and, and it's like a little mortgage, isn't it? You know. I mean, I'm not very well because I've got cancer, and it's just what well, I've got to keep on working. I can't stay at home. You know, just to keep everything tootling along. I've got two teenagers. It's all the washing, using the tumble dryer. You know, and you can't peg your washing out and things, you know. But it is, it's tough, it is tough. And there are more people like Debbie and her family seeking support here, says Claire, who's in charge of projects like this one. 
And we have people come through the door who are working and still not able to heat their homes. People's savings do run out and they ran out last year. This is why we was expecting this unfortunately to be worse than last year because everyone used their reserves up last year. People are really finding it hard this year and this is why it's important that people know out there, doesn't matter where you come from, don't ask those questions, we are here to support you. Such a good project. Um, Peter, we heard from Debbie there, she's working, her husband is working and they still can't manage those bills. Is the demographic of people using warm spaces and food hubs changing? Is it expanding? Well, certainly the people that we uh, helped before the energy crisis are, are worse off and getting deeper into difficulty, but new groups of households are being brought in um, to really, really struggling day to day, not just on the cost of energy, but the cost of other essentials. I think it's really striking in the Citizens Advice report that you mentioned mm. um, that households with children under four are twice as likely to get into debt and um, self-disconnect compared to uh, households with no children. So this is a really big intergenerational issue. Um, we often think of the, the fuel-poor householder being somebody that's elderly huddled in a blanket. In fact, it's incredibly uh, weighted towards uh, people with young children. And we know that the impact on young infants in particular can be devastating. Are working people less likely to be able to access help unless it comes from a charity like the one we just heard from? Absolutely. We, we're really concerned about the impact of the changes of the Warm Home Discount Scheme. If You can get that automatically if you're a, a poorer pensioner on pension credit, but your ability as a working age household not claiming any benefits to access the Warm Home Discount Scheme has completely ended, um, which is surprising given that you know the government are often <clears throat> focused on trying to help those households that are just about managing. Mm. Uh, and of course, the government does say that it's uh, it's it's spending that three thousand seven hundred pounds per household to to support families more generally with the cost of living. Um, Daniel, let's talk about vulnerable people. Last year, energy companies were banned from forcibly installing prepayment meters for customers in debt because of concerns over how vulnerable people were being treated. Now, the regulator Ofgem is allowing some to resume, but they have to stick to the rules. What are the rules? So. The rules uh, were developed over the course of the last year. Um, they are around both the the sort of things that the supplier has to do before they can consider uh, implementing a, a a prepayment meter that's involuntary. Um, they are about also the contact that the supplier needs to make with the customer. So, for instance, they need to contact them. 10 times to make sure that they understand the customer's circumstances, that a prepayment meter is a suitable and uh, safe solution for them. There are then going to be some customers uh, that are set out in these rules that should never be moved onto a prepayment customer. So, for example, if you have an under two-year-old in the house, if you are over 75 and you don't have any other support, or mm. if you have health conditions that uh, that are listed in, in the code of practice, um, that will mean that you are uh, you are exempt from from being put on a prepayment meter. Yes, and Ofgem suggests people should make sure their circumstances are up to date with their supplier so that they can be taken into consideration uh, if payment problems do arise. Right, one suggested answer to the struggle was a social tariff for energy, one that would be a cheaper option for people who are on low incomes. It was even debated in Parliament last year. Uh, Sarah Rogers is still with us. Sarah, you've tried hard to find out if that's still on the table. 
Yes, I have. And I asked the Energy Department if a social tariff was specifically being considered or if it had been dropped. And a spokesperson simply told me the government continues to keep all options under review for those most in need. So no clear answer, Mm. but certainly no suggestion that they're going to come anytime soon. But of course... We will keep asking. We certainly will keep asking the government. But in the meantime, we do have Daniel with us. Um, you work in the industry. Can you briefly shed any light on whether social energy tariffs are on the way? So the government originally uh, committed to consult on the introduction of a, an enduring sort of support mechanism, mm. which some people have taken to mean social tariff uh, by last summer. That hasn't happened. Um, the implementation date that was targeted for April this year now looks like it won't be met. I think, though, that we need to be really pragmatic on where we are. Households are struggling now. We've heard that throughout the programme. And there are quick things that the government could be doing uh, that that are less sort of time consuming than the major reforms like a social tariff. The citizens advice report that we've already spoken about talked about changes that could be made to existing schemes like the warm homes discount that could really help struggling households now. And we think that's Mm. that's where government attention should be. Daniel, thank you. Um, We've had quite a few emails about standing charges. Now, these are the fixed daily fees that energy companies can charge, even if you're not using any energy. Hello, Moneybox Live. My name is Doreen. I would like to know if there's been any progress uh, in the review of the standing charges. My situation is um, I use minimal, absolute minimal usage. I can't bring it down any further. Um, I'm always paying more in standing charges than in uses. I have no washing machine, no television, no microwave. I won't bore you with more, but my usage is minimal and there's nothing further I can do. So any progress on the standing charges, please? No washing machine, no TV. I'm very glad you have a radio. Thank you for your message, Doreen. Um, Ofgem, the regulator, just closed its consultation on Friday. It told us standing charges have provoked a huge amount of debate and they've had 40,000 responses. We will bring you more on that when we get it. Daniel, there's actually no obligation, is there, for energy companies to have standing charges and several don't charge one. Uh, that's right, but we we did talk about the the price cap earlier, and, and one of the features of that price cap is that it sets a limit on what suppliers can charge, both as a standing charge and also as a unit rate. And it's the combination of those two charges which cover suppliers' costs. Uh, so it is actually quite difficult for suppliers mm. to to move away from the the standing charge cap that that. Ofgem set. Look, we welcome the conversation that Ofgem has kicked off about standing charges, and we totally understand the frustrations and difficulties that they they can cause uh, customers. Some of those frustrations and difficulties because they've gone up so much. So Ofgem figures show uh, that standing charges have gone up from £86 a year in 2021 to £186 in 2023. Why such a sharp rise? Yeah, so there are a number of reasons why uh, why those numbers have gone up, one of which is the investment that we need to make in our infrastructure, so the pipes and wires that bring energy to the household. Uh, another is some of the costs associated with the energy crisis. Um, I think people... Mm. 
I was just going to say that I think that overall there's been about a 65% increase in standing charges since the, the price cap was introduced. Um, that's the average, but um, often prepayment meter customers are hit much, much harder. Despite their, um, the, the, the standing charge for prepayment falling uh, recently, historically they've paid much more as of those households that are on standard credit. One of the difficulties is that if you're Doreen and you're cutting back your um, energy consumption to the point that you know you're ne- using next to nothing, that doesn't actually matter. Those households still have to pay that daily standing charge irrespective of their usage. Mm. That's particularly difficult for those prepayment meter customers who need to pay for their energy in advance. And if they can't cover the standing charges that they've uh, accrued on those energy meters, often those people can't get on supply and spend the whole winter in darkness or, or in, um, in the cold. Yes, so if they've disconnected over the summer, uh, that standing charge debt will still have built up. We've had a, another email from Brian. Brian says, if we do have to have standing charges, let them be the same for everyone across Great Britain so people can compare tariffs on a like-for-like basis. Let them be a modest proportion of the overall bill too. Say no more than 10 pence a day. Well, uh, Brian, I'm sure that that conversation will uh, will continue when we hear what Ofgem's consultation found. Now, a lot of people can cut back on their energy bills by, well, a bit like Doreen, maybe turn off the tumble dryer, wear a couple more jumpers, but not people who have disabilities and need energy to run the devices that they rely on. And of course, we've talked about the energy price cap, uh, but that's for the average home. If you use more energy, you pay more. Let's talk to somebody who is paying more, Julie from Prestatin. Julie, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Right. You live with your daughter. Tell me about your situation. Um, so basically I work from home, so using more energy. Since COVID, I've worked from home. I did work in um, the library and starting before that. Mm. So um, obviously I'm using more energy now because I work from home. My hours now have been cut because I work for the council and it's going gone through consultation. And my pay grade has been lowered as well Um and, so less and, money, and you, less hours. Yes, and and you and your daughter are, are you know household that relies on energy more. Absolutely, we both have disabilities. My daughter relies on an electric wheelchair. I have a mobility scooter that we both have to um, obviously charge up. So yes, we do. Are you managing to pay your energy bill? Um, yes, I am. Um, you know, the cost of living um, payments have been great. Um, I've um, actually f- had an email through um, from work yesterday to say that I may be entitled to another cost of living type uh, Unison members. So that's something that I didn't know about. I know it's been mm. apparently running for a few years. So that's another one, um, hopefully. But it's an essential bill, isn't it, really? Of course. I can't, um, you know, there's not much I can do. And if you have to prioritise that, um, you know, in particular for you and your daughter, what effect does that have on the rest of your budget? Um, we just have to cut down, basically, um, on non-essentials. It's just... So where are you of, cutting back? Um, well, you know, television subscriptions, which is fine. It's absolutely fine. Uh, you know, we were we had them before, so sometimes it's like, well, we've we've had to lose it now, you know. But it's something, you know, it's it's an essential bill that we have to pay. Mm. Now you're paying your energy bill, um, which which is great. You're not you're not running up energy debt. Are, are you in debt in the rest of your budget? Is that how you're you're balancing the books elsewhere? Unfortunately, a little bit I am. Yes, you know, robbing from Peter to pay Paul. It's um, 
it's it's that's that's the struggle that I have. Mm. Julie, thank you very much. Stay with us. You're welcome. I want to I want to bring the panel in on this. Peter, where can people like Julie, or maybe people who are only now struggling, find support? Well, we hear a lot a lot from people like Julie that mm. are struggling with negative budgets and can't make all the essential bills square square away. Um, Julie mentioned herself the cost of living uh, payments. So there is, if you're on DLA and Pippa, a payment of 150 uh, 50 pounds uh, that was paid out long ago and uh, probably it well definitely isn't uh, generous enough to offset the additional energy costs let alone the other costs that you face if you're a disabled household and um, some of the um, support that was available through the warm home discount scheme is also sadly fallen away about 500,000 households that were on DLA and PIP were taken out of uh, eligibility for the scheme so that that is a, a really big um, con- concern mm. I think the, um, the there is a payment um, from the uh, National Health Service for uh, needing to run oxygen and dialysis um, machines and other medical equipment but for uh, general disabilities and, um, uh, and people that are needing to spend longer at time because they uh, at home because they've got a long-term illness there yeah. is a really gap in support and that's and that's where we were hoping that the introduction of a social tariff could do so much good might have helped well I mean the government says it is continuing to support vulnerable households with a 900 pounds in uh, in cost of living payments help 150 pounds to those on eligible disability benefits, although you've outlined some of that there, and and that £150 warm home discount. Daniel, Julie isn't in energy debt. She's prioritising her energy bills, but she is going into other debt as a result. Are energy companies looking out for that kind of vulnerability? Absolutely. Um, And it's something that we speak regularly to government and the regulator about. It's something that we're very concerned about is that not only are the number of households uh, in debt to their energy suppliers rising, but we are really worried about how households are making ends meet and that that is not particularly sustainable, which again brings us back to this conversation about what more could be done to support those households. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the other things I would say is it's really important that if you are struggling with your bill, phone your supplier um, they may well be able to help. Suppliers invest tens of millions of pounds every year in discretionary funds that help customers who are really struggling. They can also help you with things like energy efficiency advice and potentially also help you with the cost of, uh, of improvements to your home. Well, Julie, I hope some of that has been helpful. Thank you so much for talking to us. Shall Hi. we, thank you, shall we end the programme on some good news or maybe maybe some better news? The boss of Octopus Energy has said bills will fall this April, predicting they'll be hundreds of pounds lower than they are at the moment. And at the start of the week, uh, week Cornwall Insight, the energy analysts, predicted typical bills would reach around £1,500 a year by the summer and that would be much lower than they've been for a very long time. Daniel, is that what energy companies more widely are expecting? So these price cap projections obviously are more uncertain the future out in time they look, Um, but we are seeing that wholesale prices are falling and therefore we should see that the price cap fall uh, similar to those those projections at least in April. Um, We think that's good news it is helpful um we don't think that that solves the problem entirely and we don't think it sort of avoids the conversations we need to have mm. about about further support but uh, hopefully it is some respite for customers will it mean uh, if, if average bills do fall will it mean it's finally worth shopping around again looking for a better deal yeah um i mean one of the things i would say is that 
there are already fixed tariffs on the market um, and if you prefer to have certainty over your energy bills you might mm. want to look at those um, but what customers shouldn't worry about is that when these price drops happen mm. as the price cap comes down if they are on a default van, uh, or, or variable tariff Daniel. those price caps will will happen those reductions will mm. happen automatically for them and to fix or not to fix is the eternal money box question um peter i'll throw for you to throw to you for a brief final thought if people are listening to this and they're really struggling with their energy costs or they're sitting in cold homes what should they do well, I think the first thing is prioritise your health. If you've got a circulatory problem or a respiratory problem or any other condition which could be badly exacerbated by the cold home, prioritise your heating. I know that is very, very difficult given those squeezed budgets we were ta- talking about with Julie, but it is. it can be a matter of life and death not being able to heat your home or put unnecessary strain on the health service. So please do prioritise your heating if, if that's at all possible. And would you echo Daniel's suggestion that you know, get in touch with your provider? Absolutely. And as you were saying, make them aware of your circumstances through the priority services register. There's a way of doing that and mm. um, and hopefully provide extra, extra safeguards for you as a, a vulnerable customer. Well, that is all we have time for in this week's podcast, but it's a story that never goes away. Do please feel free to keep sharing your experiences with us. Thank you to everybody who did so today. And thank you, of course, to our experts. I was joined by Peter Smith from the charity National Energy Action and Daniel Portis from Energy UK. If there's a story you want Paul Lewis, me or the team to take a look at, then you can email us. The address is moneybox at bbc.co.uk. Please include a phone number if you can. In this podcast, the producer was Sarah Rogers. The studio manager was Mitch Goodall. Our editor is Jess Quayle. I'm Felicity Hanna. And this was a BBC News Money and Work production for BBC Sounds. Cobalt. A thriller from BBC Radio 4. Hey, Dad. The person you're trying to reach is not available. £603 to Rwanda. That's the price of a one-way ticket to Zimbabwe. Good afternoon, Mum. We're looking for Mr Manfred Zibanda. Is there a problem? Not yet. They've been in a few times this week looking for the cobalt that went missing. Would you risk it for 20 million? What the hell is Dad doing in Zimbabwe right now? Cobalt on BBC Sounds. In a world where change is constant, it pays to look beyond your borders. The Financial Times offers a global perspective to give you a deeper understanding of international markets and emerging trends. Broaden your horizons and widen your influence. Fearlessly pink. The Financial Times. Read more at ft.com slash fearless. Leute, habt ihr Bock darauf, eure Versicherung in den Griff zu kriegen und dafür 30 Euro Shoppinggutschein abzustauben? Hier ist übrigens Tara vom Podcast Tara sagt was und ich sage euch, ladet euch die Clark-App runter und nutzt bei der Anmeldung mein Code Tara sagt Clark. Alles groß und zusammengeschrieben. Da kriegt ihr nicht nur eure Verträge gecheckt, sondern ihr könnt euch auch kostenlos und unabhängig von den Expertinnen beraten lassen. Also probiert Clark aus und holt euch den 30 Euro Shopping-Gutschein für Ikea, Amazon und Co. mit dem Code Tara sagt Clark. Musik